For those of you who don't know me, my name is Justin Garza. I am one of the ministers here at the Tri-Valley Church of Christ. Jacob first asked me to preach when he was doing his calendar, and uh, he was planning out the year, and he said, hey, you know, uh, you can preach over these four weeks if you'd like. And he said that I could talk about anything I wanted to talk about. And so I was like, well, that's, that's awesome. I actually appreciate that. I prefer that when someone gives me that kind of leeway to do that. But to be honest, it's actually kind of harder because it's easier when someone just gives you a passage and says, hey, preach on this. There's so much you can preach on and so much that uh, I'm passionate about that I would love to talk about, uh, mostly myself, because that's what I like to do. Um, but one of the things that helped me narrow it down was kind of leaning into that, like what is God doing in me and what do I have to share with people? And um, one thing that really helped me narrow it down was in March, um, I had this chance to go to I got invited to speak at a young adult, young adult conference out in San Jose. And the theme of that conference was intimacy with God, and my specific topic was, uh, was prayer. And for me, I was so excited about that, because there's nothing really that I'm more passionate about than prayer and, and what's happened in my prayer life with God. And so I was really excited to talk about it. And one thing became really evident for me in my preparation for that I was reading all these books, and I, I got a bunch of great recommendations for you guys if you'd like. Um, I was working through some rough drafts of my outline, kind of figuring what I was going to say, picking out all my scriptures that I wanted to highlight and use, and I, I prepared what I thought was a good outline. It had some good teaching points, good illustrations, and, you know, and I'm, I'm going through this, and something was really evident to me that I could spend all that time coming up with the most amazing teaching points, and I could study every detail of every scripture. Um, I could get a bunch of historical info about prayer. I could get quotes. I could, I could quote the best who, who studied prayer and talked about prayer. I could have all the perfect handouts and the flow to my outline, and I could do all of that and still completely miss the point, which was experiencing the intimacy with God through prayer, experiencing the awe of that deep and close relationship with God. In my quest to study about God, I could actually miss just knowing God. In my attempt to study the Word, I could go to the Word, I could read it every day and study it and prepare lessons and share that with people, and I could actually miss hearing from God. In my prayer life, it could become so routine to the point that I actually miss the fact that I, Justin, with all my past and ugliness, get to boldly approach the throne and talk with the God of the entire universe. That he actually wants to hear from me and know me deeply. In my walk as a Christian, I could go to church every Sunday and still completely miss out on the awesomeness of God and the intimacy that he so desperately wants to have with me. And I don't know about you guys, but I, I don't want to miss that. That for me is, uh, is everything. And so my hope over this next few weeks is to just have us spend some time basking in the amazement and wonder that's expressed so beautifully in the psalm that we heard read earlier, in the song that we sang. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. Throughout this four weeks, we're going to look at several different passages of Scripture, and I'm hoping that we, we will try to put on the lens of wonder and of awe kind of like Darren's talking about, the, the newness of just our relationship with God. And I'm, I'm hoping that we'll, we'll truly draw deeper into that intimate relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I had some slides for you guys today. 
Um, and you know, like it usually would work out, we're having some technical issues. So we're not gonna go with slides today. We're gonna just do this old school. And honestly, that's probably better for us to have back there than any slide I could put up. So you guys are gonna have to use Bibles. If you guys remember how to do that, we're not gonna have slides of those. If you need a Bible, uh, underneath one of the seats in front of you, there should be one. Um, you can grab that. And you guys can start to flip to uh, Ephesians chapter one. That's where we're gonna spend some time this morning. Uh, throughout this, the theme of these four weeks, there's going to be one underlying theme uh, through this series, and it's going to be guiding my thoughts and, and kind of driving home our message, and that is prayer. Uh, this is going to be the avenue that I focus on, but I want to remind us right from the beginning that the goal of this series is not to master prayer, but to deepen our relationship with the one that we pray to. And so to this date, there's been nothing more impactful in my closeness with God than, than the power of prayer and in really deepening and enriching my prayer life. And so I hope to share some things with, with you guys that will be meaningful as well. So today, our specific lesson is titled Desiring God. And um, again, if you guys would turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to pick up starting in verse 15 and then continue through the uh, end of the chapter. And so... The Word of God says this. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Would you guys join me as we pray? Oh, Father in heaven, there is nothing worth more that could ever come close. No thing can compare your our living hope your presence, Lord. Lord God, creator of the universe and everything in it, you are our everything. We desire for you, God, to know you deeply and intimately, to be brought into a closeness like we have never experienced ever before. Lord, we are gathered here today eager to hear all that you would say to us. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would use me today as your vessel that you would give us all ears to hear, that you would remind us of the immeasurable greatness of the power toward us who believe, so that the only natural response would be to fall to our knees in awe before you, singing your praises forever. Let us, Lord, become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so by a show of hands, how many of you guys would say that prayer is important for Christians? 
Okay, I was thinking about, it's basically everyone. I was thinking about this question, it's kind of interesting, like if I showed up to church one day and I asked that and no one raised their hand, it'd be kind of weird, right? I think, I think pretty, pretty uh, clearly we would all say that, yeah, of course, prayer is important for Christians. We could probably walk into any church on almost any Sunday morning and ask this question, and I think it's pretty safe to say that most Christians would respond with a resounding yes, prayer is important in the life of a Christian. If uh, even throughout other religions, as I, I've kind of looked at other religions and studied some other religions, and worldviews, including secular views, there's this continually growing mindset that quiet contemplation and mindfulness and meditation with both silent mantras and spoken mantras, that these types of practices and disciplines are not only good for our spiritual state, but even more and more research is, is showing positive physical health benefits as well. And I think as Christians, we can come alongside that and say, of course, like we've known this. Prayer is important. Um, but if I ask the same group of Christians the question, how much time in your day do you spend in prayer? Would the answer to that question demonstrate our answer to the first question? So meaning, could someone take a look at our prayer lives and the amount of time and the intentionality that we spend in prayer and see clearly that we view this as something very important in our lives as Christians. Now, I do recognize that uh, in this church, uh, we have many who have very deep prayer lives. And this is one of the ways I've been so blessed by this congregation, is the example and the modeling of prayer, both as individuals and as a church community, that have uh, impacted and shaped me in my own prayer life and my own prayer journey. Um, a lot of this message today comes from the discipling that I've received from this congregation, and so I thank you guys for that. Um, but we're not off the hook, and I, we'll come back to our passage in just a minute and talk about this a little bit more. So I had a slide that I was going to show you guys, but you're going to have to use imagination today. But I want you guys, I, I did this with the young adults when I presented this, and I want you guys to picture a pie chart for your week, Okay. Uh, it works better with a slide, but just, just go with me, okay? Picture the pie chart. Now, on a, over the course of a week, we have 168 hours, okay? So you, you can see that pie chart. It's 168 hours represented. Now, even if I had a very strong prayer week, a really, what I would consider a healthy prayer week, basically, let's say I pray for one hour a day. It's seven hours for the week out of that 168, and I think that's a pretty healthy prayer life. But if you look at the sliver that it shows up on the pie chart, it's like this tiny little piece. And I think for some of us, we could say, well, yeah, praying for an hour, yes, that's healthy, but it's almost impossible with the busy, prayer, with the busy lives we have. And you've got to factor in sleep and work. We don't have 168 hours, really. But I factored that in, and I looked at it, and I would have had a slide to show you guys this. But if you factor in uh, eight hours of sleep a day, which I don't know about you guys, but that definitely doesn't happen for me, but eight hours of sleep a day, 56 hours for the week, you still have this huge chunk of time. And then let's say we factor in, well, 40 hours of work, and some of you guys might work more than that. But there's still this huge chunk of time. And so in the grand scheme of things, and I'm, I'm saying this from myself, that even when I spend a really, um, what I consider a strong and healthy amount of time in prayer with God through the week, the sliver is pretty tiny. And so... The point of this message today is not to say just pray more or to pray longer. The point of this message is to cause us to look at our prayer lives 
and to pause and just consider, do we desire to spend time with God? Do we desire to dwell with Him in prayer? Because I know Christians who, who some probably don't even pray every day. And some might pray over a meal, which, again, these things are awesome. I'm not, I'm not casting judgment on that. Those are, that's, that's good to give thanks. And, um, but how can we truly develop intimacy with God if the only time we pray is when we gather on Sunday or if it's a quick one-minute prayer every time we eat? And so I want to share a story with you guys just a little bit about my own personal experience with prayer so you know a little bit about where I'm coming from. So most of you guys know that uh, I, didn't, I haven't been a Christian that long. It was probably, uh, it's not even six years yet at this point. And I've told that story um, in this church before. I was 32 years old when I gave my life to Christ. But the main point of that story as it applies to today's message is that for the bulk of my life, I spent most of my time never praying. I didn't pray. This was not a, something that I did or that I practiced. Um, to give you an example, I was remembering... Um, when I worked for In-N-Out Burger, I was there for 15 years, they would do these quarterly um, manager meetings, and all the managers would come, and, and one of the things that In-N-Out did is they would have a, an invocation at the beginning of all of their meetings. And this was a prayer, a blessing of some sort. It didn't have to be in Jesus' name, but it was you know, essentially a prayer, a blessing. And I got asked to do that invocation like numerous times. I can't even remember how many times. And every time I said no. And I remember my DM coming in one, one day, and we were talking about it. I was like, you know, does this look bad for my career? Like, I'm saying no. Like, are they going to pass me up on promotions and stuff like that? And he's like, no, they just all think you're an atheist. And uh, <laughs> the truth was is that they probably weren't that far off. But even when I first came to Christ and I started to pray, I, I recognized, I, I think I'm supposed to do this. I think there's something to this. Um, and I would pray in private. But I was still terrified to pray out loud. And I was especially terrified to pray with other people. And if you talk about praying in public, like, there's no way. Like, I'm, I'm the wrong guy for that. Um, fortunately for me, uh, I had a, several key people who really helped me break through this. And one of them was Jacob. Uh, Jacob and I started meeting every week, and we would get together. And uh, we'd be meeting at Starbucks and talking. And at the end of it, he'd be like, okay, let's pray. You, you start, I'll finish. And there was just like this nudge. It was like, you, you didn't even ask me. It's just, hey, you're going to pray. <laughs> but what I learned from that is sort of this, um, this example of this is what we do. This is what we do as Christians. We share life together. We pray for each other. We lift up each other's burdens together. And we, we dwell with God together. And, and that was something that he really um, helped me with and, and taught me to never be afraid to pray. Um, a little into, uh, maybe a little over a year into being a Christian, I remember feeling like uh, my prayer life was really dry. And I, I was talking with Rod one morning at his house and just mentioning to him that, you know, I, I feel like when I pray, it's, it's like I'm leaving a voice message on an answering machine to God. You know, it's like calling and, hey, God, uh, this is Justin. Uh, thanks for the day and, you know, Please forgive my sins and help me in this, help me in that. And, you know, in Jesus' name, amen. It was, it was sort of like this leaving a voice message, but I wasn't really experiencing, like, relationship or, or conversations. I didn't feel like I was having conversations with God. I just kind of felt like I was going through the motions. And another time, I described it as 
coming to this place where I recognize like prayer is like oxygen. I can't live without it. I, I need it. I know that I need it in my life, but I described it as feeling like I was attached to a breathing machine. That I wasn't actually breathing freely and deeply on my own. It was this machine that was sort of keeping me going. It was forced. And I wanted to learn how to breathe deeply and freely on my own in my prayer life. I wanted to experience intimacy with God through prayer, but I didn't really know how to do it. And maybe there's some of you in here that could relate to that um, today. I was reading a, a book by Eugene Peterson, who I don't know if you've read Eugene. If you've read the message translation of the Bible, then you've read his writings. He's awesome. And I came across this excerpt from his that I'd like to read to you guys. He said, as a pastor, I was charged with, among other things, teaching people to pray, helping them to give voice to the entire experience of being human and to do it both honestly and thoroughly. I found that it was not as easy as I expected. Getting started is easy enough. The impulse to pray is deep within us at the very center of our created being, and so practically anything will do to get us started. Help and thanks are our basic prayers, but honesty and thoroughness don't come quite as spontaneously. Faced with the prospect of conversation with a holy God who speaks worlds into being, it is not surprising that we have trouble. We feel awkward and out of place, like, I'm not good enough for this. Or I'll wait until I clean up my act and prove that I'm a decent person. Or we excuse ourselves on the grounds that our vocabulary is inadequate. Give me a few months or years to practice prayers that are polished enough for such a meeting, such, such a sacred meeting, and then I won't feel so stuttery and ill at ease. And then he says this, he says, untutored, we tend to think that prayer is what good people do when they are doing their best. It is not. Inexperienced, we suppose that there must be an insider language that must be acquired before God takes us seriously in our prayer. There is not. Prayer is elemental, not advanced language. It is the means by which our language becomes honest, true, and personal in response to God. It is the means by which we get everything in our lives out in the open before God. I think that's beautiful. Um, and again, I encourage you guys, check out Eugene, especially read the Psalms in the Message Translation. It, it'll change your life, I promise you. Um, but I want to come back to our passage today, because I think Paul also gives us some pretty incredible insights um, from his prayer that we read today. And the first thing in our passage, again in verse 15, if you still have that open, he starts with, for this reason. And so, for us, picking up in verse 15, we have to ask, well, for what reason? So it highlights to us that this thought and prayer stems from something that he has already said in the first part of his letter. And so, to give you, a, let's dive into it. Paul opens this letter, he, he starts by describing the blessings in the Father, our benefits in the Son, and our belonging in the Holy Spirit. In verses 1 through 3, he tells us that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. In verse 4, he says that God chose us before the creation of the world. We're blessed. We're chosen. In verse 5 and 6, he says that we are adopted through Christ in accordance, this is awesome, with His pleasure and His will. 
because He loved us, it was to His pleasure to adopt us. In verses 7 and 8, He says that we are redeemed by the blood of Christ according to the riches of God's grace. And then in verses 9 and 10, He says that God has made known the mystery of His will and His plan in Christ to unite all things in heaven and on earth. And then lastly, in verses 11 through 14, He says that Jesus sacrificed Himself that we could be to the praise of God's glory and that in Christ we are the beneficiaries of an unimaginable inheritance as we have been sealed and sanctified in the promise of the Holy Spirit. I mean, this entire message from the start of this letter is the gospel. This is, this is the good news. And it's from this place, for this reason, that Paul models for us what can be the only response to this amazing news. He prays and he gives thanks and he, he prays for the people, right? And before we look at what he's praying for, I think it's important to highlight who he's praying to. So it says it in verse 1 that this is to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. And then in verse 15, um, as he says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. So Paul is writing this to believers. He's writing this to people who already, he's probably writing this from, from his description here, not just to people who would be new to faith and to prayer, but probably to people who he's even heard about their faith and the love they have that they're already demonstrating for God's people. That this is, is written to people who would probably be considered strong in their faith and strong in their prayer lives. And so this message is for all of us here today where we find ourselves in our own prayer lives. There's something in here that Paul is pointing to. And so at the heart of his prayer is something that is pretty amazing. And I think if we're not careful as we read through this, we can miss it. See, Paul does not pray for uh, material possessions in this passage. He doesn't pray for changes in the circumstances and what probably would have been very difficult circumstances for these early Christians. He's not praying for protection, and we don't hear him mention anything about provision for the next meal or a lot of the things that, that we as people spend so much of our time hustling for or worrying about. He's not, he's not praying for those things. And I'm not saying that it is wrong to pray for those things. Jesus himself invites us to pray for our daily bread. Jesus invites us to pray for protection from the evil one. So in this prayer, Paul is not giving us a universal model for prayer. But it is revealing, especially as you look at his letter to the Philippians and his letter to the Colossians, it is revealing the thing that he prayed for most for his friends. And the one thing that probably to some extent he believed was the greatest thing God could give them, and it's right in verse 17 that God would give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? So that you may know Him better. See, we could read this and go through our whole lives as Christians and completely miss it. That we could know all about God and miss truly knowing God. We could stand before God one day and say, Lord, didn't we prophesy in Your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do many mighty works in your name and have him go, I never knew you. I was thinking about my daughters 
Um, some of you know Jasmine and Kaylee. Uh, and, you know, I've been so blessed by them, and, and I love them so much. And like most parents, I've set my mind on trying to provide for them a, a good and a safe home for them, a good neighborhood. They could go to a good school. I've worked hard to put food on the table, clothes in the closet. Um, I've tried to teach them some life lessons. I've tried to help shape them as they've grown. But I couldn't imagine the devastation I would feel to look into their eyes as adult women and have them say to me, Dad, I never really knew you. That would kill me. Because like Paul, I, I believe that if they really got to know me, they would know with no uncertainty just how much I love them. They would know the hope I have for them. They would know how much I've cared for them, how hard I've worked. They would know the sacrifices that I've made to provide for them. I think this is what Paul is, is trying to get at in this prayer. That he says to have the, high, the eyes of our hearts enlightened. And that what this means is to have that truth grip us so deeply that it changes everything about us. It changes everything because of our relationship with God because we know him. And this is what Paul is praying for. Tim Keller writes that Paul does not see prayer as merely a way to get things from God, but as a way to get more of God himself. Another quote I heard from a preacher with regards to this prayer is that Paul is, does not ask God to give them what they don't have, but prays that God will reveal to them what they already have. And Paul knows that this is directly connected to the fullness of their relationship, of our relationship to God and to knowing him. But also like Paul, I recognize that I could stand up here all day. I could craft the best sermon ever and the most persuasive, you know, lines and, you know, stuff like that. The wordsmithing. Um, I could tell you all about the joy of a rich prayer life. I could tell you every story I could possibly think of with regards to my prayer life. And the truth is, is that I'm not going to be able to convince you. I mean, at the core, I could share all day long, and I'm not going to be able to convince you, because it's not about me. And this passage, it's not about Paul. It's what Paul's saying. It's the, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of wisdom and revelation that Paul is praying that God would give us this because it's about God, the Father, through His Son, Jesus Christ, giving us His spirit of wisdom and revelation to work inside of us so that we not only know Him better, but then we would know the hope which He has called us, the riches, this, this is so beautiful, the riches of His glorious inheritance in His holy people, it's not only our inheritance. He's talking about us being his inheritance. This is, this is beautiful. This is how he sees us. We're his prized possession and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That's beautiful. So over the last few years, I, you know, we could read this and we could talk about this. So what do we do with this? Um, just to share with you guys, over the last few years, I've begun to engage in a discipline that has changed everything for me with regards to prayer. Um, many in our church are already practicing this and, and engaging in this. Jacob's been talking about it over the last couple months with uh, uh, giving us a psalm of the week. And essentially this idea is praying through Scripture. 
and specifically the act of writing prayers through a specific passage of the Bible. And through this practice, why I think this is such a powerful thing for anyone who is serious about wanting to grow in their prayer lives is that not only have I learned how to breathe more deeply and freely the life-giving power that is prayer, but I've grown in my intimacy with God in an unbelievable way. And I've done this as part of a class on Thursday nights, and I've grown in my intimacy with the people in that class also. Uh, It's been so incredible. I feel like at this point I'm not just leaving voice messages on God's answering machine, that now I actually get to converse and have conversations with God. So like any good conversation, and this is a reminder for myself today, uh, not only do we need to do some of the talking, but we also need to do some of the listening. And I'm pretty terrible at this, as some know. Uh, probably especially my wife would, would be the one I'm most guilty of. Um, but the truth is, is that if I want to have a real conversation with my wife, with Trish, and if I want to get to know her, then I can't just talk. I have to listen. But the thing that's difficult, this is already challenging for me, but it's in some ways even more difficult with my relationship with God because unlike when I talk to Trish, I don't actually hear the audible voice of God when I talk to him. And so that's tough. Learning to hear God is not easy. And that has been what has changed everything for me by praying through Scripture, by learning to dwell in the Word, not just study the Word, because we can be really good at that and miss just living in what God is saying, letting it wash over us so that we learn to listen for God and that prayer is no longer just talking to God, it's responding to what God has said. And we can learn to do that through engaging in this practice. And so over this next four weeks, I'm going to ask you guys to continue to engage this practice. I'm going to give a a prayer of the week, a scripture of the week, to fix our hearts and minds on, to spend some time. And, um, you know, I I think this, uh, when I proposed this before to some people and talked about, like, oh, man, this is so powerful. You've got to experience this. You've got to see the power of just living in Scripture and then writing a prayer. Um, It was sort of like, well, that sounds like a lot of work, you know? It sounds like you've got to kind of make a lot of time for that. Maybe that's true. I think, again, we've got to ask that question, do I desire for God? Do I desire to know Him more deeply and to, to live into my prayer life with Him? So for this week, I'm going to ask you guys to reflect on Psalm 84. That's going to be our assignment. Um, to be honest, the power of this is, um, is even multiplied in a whole other way when you share these prayers with others. Uh, anyone who hasn't gotten that opportunity, please come talk to me or uh, email me your prayers Um, drop it in my box outside of my office, but um, I'd really love to hear your prayers. It would be a huge blessing to me. Again, there is a class that meets here every Thursday from 6.30 to 8, and this is what they do. They look at Scripture, and they spend the week living in a passage, and they write prayers, and then they share them together. And it it is such a powerful thing, and there is an intimacy that can come from this practice that I haven't experienced anywhere else. We're told that the Word became flesh. And because of Jesus, because of the Gospel and the truth of the Gospel, we don't just have words written in a book. We have Emmanuel. We have God with us. We can know Him intimately because through Christ we have been blessed, chosen, adopted, 
redeemed, and promised the certainty of an inheritance of eternity with God. And so my prayer for all of us uh, today and over the course of these next several weeks is that God continues to increase in us, by the power of His Holy Spirit, a desire for Him and a desire to know Him more deeply through prayer. So we're going to invite the praise team back up and probably lower our screen there. Um, but I just want to say this as they make their way up here. I remember um, when I first was learning to pray and I would listen to Jacob, like a guy like Jacob, and I sat there going, there's no way I could do that. Like Jacob, he just has this ability to remember everything and draw all these things into his prayer. And I remember comparing myself going, there's no way I can pray like that. And as we talk about this, learning to pray and praying through scripture, um, and we look at the amazing richness of the Psalms, or we look at Paul's prayers, there can almost be this intimidation factor. And we can allow that to kind of push us away from even trying to engage in this practice because we feel like our vocabulary is inadequate. Like we can't possibly express ourselves that way. But I want to remind you guys of what I think is probably the most powerful prayer in the whole Bible. Um, for me, if someone asks me, what, what's your favorite prayer? It's probably this one. And it comes from a story where um, Jesus is walking on the water to his disciples. Some of you know this story. And they're all kind of spooked. They see him walking over there and they're like, uh, what, what's going on here? But of course, Peter, right? Peter's the one who speaks before he really thinks. He's like, Lord, call out to me and I'll come walk on the water to you. And he, Jesus says, come. So Peter steps out of the boat and he starts to walk on the water. He's doing the impossible. His eyes are fixed on Jesus. But as soon as he takes his eyes off of Jesus, he notices the storm going on and these giant waves crashing around him. And he starts to sink. As soon as he took his eyes off of Jesus, he starts to sink. But it's in that moment that I think the most powerful prayer in the whole Bible comes out. And it's three words. He says, Lord, save me. The most powerful prayer is three words. It's not about our vocabulary in our prayer lives. It's about the heart in our prayer lives. We're going to unpack that more. But if you have yet to pray that prayer, Lord, save me. I, I believe that's the starting point for all other prayers. If you have yet to experience the joy of being brought into that deep relationship with God and washed in the waters of baptism, I'd love to talk to you about it. I'd love to pray with you about it. Um, but hopefully you guys took something away from this, and we'll continue over the next few weeks. But um, yeah, let's stand as we worship God in, in today.